for you. Have you ever read something in the Bible that made you angry? I'm just going to leave that right here for a second. Have you ever read something in the Bible that made you angry? Like maybe a story or a scripture or something that interrupted your life and stopped you in your tracks. Like it just like put on the brakes and you're like provoked maybe a reaction in you where you're like, really God? Really? Anyone? Yeah. Okay, good. This happened to me a few weeks ago, and it all started with a drive. Um, On Friday afternoon, some of you know, uh, I've been helping out with, I have a friend who has a church over in Overland Park. So their graphic designer's on maternity leave, and so I've been covering for her. And this has been a blessing for us, of course, to cover our expenses and stuff too, but I hope that it's been a blessing uh, for them to take care of this stuff. But on this particular Friday, uh, I was able to leave early, which doesn't usually happen. There's usually lots of last-minute things, and if you've ever worked in a church, you know how that goes. And so uh, lots of times I'll leave late or just at 5 o'clock or whatever, and then, of course, it's traffic from Overland Park. I always consult my map, and here's what's weird. Because of where this is situated, it always takes me a different way depending on the traffic. And so this particular day, I was cruising down Lamar, which I'd never driven down Lamar before uh, to come home, but because of the time of day it was. And so uh, I'm driving, and I'm just a few blocks away from I-35, which is really the main part. Like, I hit that, and then I can kind of cruise home. And I'm starting to go up a hill, and all of a sudden, and my car dies. And if you've ever driven on Lamar, there are no turn lanes. It's just two lanes straight on for most of that. And so I'm here, and all these cars are going around me, and people are, like, you know, waving, I think. I hope they were waving, right? And so, like, all mad because my car died here on Lamar. And so um, some of you know, especially Robert Rainey, that my car was recently totaled, okay? And so all of the stuff, if that's ever happened to you, you know there's, like, all these hassles, right? You uh, have to find another car. You have to get the insurance money. There's just so many things that I never knew that you had to do to make that happen. And so I'm driving. This is the new car that I'm driving, the new old car. And so now I'll throw it to Josh, my mechanic. He had to do a lot of repairs on this old car that I purchased, right? And so it dies right here on the street. And so I'm immediately thinking, oh, my goodness, what have I done to myself? Like my anxiousness is rising as these cars are zipping around me. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get this car to roll off the street. And praise the Lord, there were, the couple was out walking. They're like, do you want us to help you push the car across the street? Yes, right? So they push me across the street. And there I'm sitting, and I'm trying to figure this whole thing out. Traffic was backing up behind me. I couldn't get the car to do anything. I get out and check the, like, two things that I know how to check. I'm like, well, maybe it's a transmission, but there's nothing on the ground underneath it. Doesn't it seem like something would be on the ground underneath it? I don't know. So I call Valerie's folks who happen to live, again, I never drive down Lamar, who happen to live just a few blocks up the street. I'm like, guys, I'm glad you're home. I have no idea what's up with the car. They come down. Long story short, When your gas gauge, the digital readout says 90, and it's at a quarter of a tank, it's lying to you. Who knew, right? I had no idea that the gas gauge, the sensor, wasn't working on this car. Now listen, I'm telling this story, and it's kind of funny now, and it may not seem like that big of a deal uh, to you, but to me, this was kind of the last straw 
in a whole litany of other things and stresses that I happen to be going through over that period of time, the past few weeks, these challenges that I've been having, okay? And listen, this isn't about me. I'm like, I know I'm not alone in this room. I look around and I know your stories. I know all of the crap, and yes, I just said that with kids in the room, that you've been wading through. Listen, Paul used even stronger words in Scripture. We'll talk about that another time. I know, I know the hard things that not only you guys are going through, but the things uh, that you continue to go through that may be pale in comparison to this. And sometimes the things like stuff just keeps piling on, and that's only your personal stuff, right? Then you start to add the stresses of the world that we live in, people walking around in Walmart with automatic guns just to see what would happen. I mean, seriously, what is up with that, right? Like, so sometimes this stuff, and I'm just being me, this is my response, I just want to scream, like, I just want to yell, like, what's going on? Is anyone with me on this? Okay, some of you are. So it was in that context, everything I just told you, that I opened up my Bible study, and I came across this verse. Now, this, this book in the Bible this letter that Peter wrote, 1 Peter, it really is one of my favorites, like out of all of Scripture. But I encountered this in the midst of that situation. So this is 1 Peter, starting with verse 5. By trusting, and your version might say by faith, you are being protected by God's power for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this greatly, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distracted by various trials. These trials are so that the true metal of your faith, some of you get that, right? These trials are so that the true metal of your faith, which is far more valuable than gold, which perishes, though refined by fire, may come to light in praise and glory in the honor of the revelation of Messiah Yeshua, or Jesus Christ, your version might say. And though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you don't see him now, you trust him and are filled with the joy that is glorious beyond words, receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. When I read this, it made me angry. And listen, I was just as surprised as you were. So I launched into this conversation with God. I'm like, listen, God, I've been trusting you. Like all this stuff that it says here, I'm doing. I'm trusting. I'm fighting. I'm working. What about my trials? What about this? What about this stupid car? I want the joy now. I want mine. Right? I mean mine. And you might think a pastor's not supposed to feel this way. But I think if we were all honest... I think every person feels this way at some time. Most of us just tend not to talk about it, right? And so we're going to talk about it today. So what we usually do, at least what I usually do, I'll speak for myself, is I want to compare my personal pain with the personal pain of other people. And so what I will do is I was like, well, you know, yeah, that's bad, but man, this person has it way worse. And so what we essentially do is we compare ourselves to someone who's hurting worse, and we just kind of tell ourselves to get over it, don't we? Or we give that advice, which is terrible advice, to a friend who happens to be going through something really hard or really painful, right? And listen, let me just say, that's not a very compassionate response, ladies and gentlemen. Even when you're talking to yourself, it's not a compassionate response. Because the pain that you feel in your situation is valid because it's real to you. 
It's what you're going through. It's the thing that you're facing. It's the thing that you're enduring. So here I am frustrated and I'm angry with this passage of Scripture in front of me that essentially I'm interpreting as, Buck up, little camper! It's going to be all right in the end! Right? Like I can hear Woody from Toy Story saying it. And it just wasn't a very satisfying answer to me. I mean, that's great down the road, God, that all this works out, but what about now? So again, I proceeded to let God know how I was feeling about it. And I'm thankful, guys, that we serve a God that is rich in love and mercy and a God who will let us speak with him, right? Let him know how we're feeling about something. A God who's willing to even engage in these kinds of conversations, right? And I love that we have so many examples in Scripture of this too. Men and women, God, I don't understand what you're doing. God, why does this happen this way? All these questions. But when I finally stopped talking for a minute and just sat, because you know that's what we do. It's kind of like a child. You start to throw your little tantrum or whatever, and then eventually they run out of air and they have to go, (laughs) right, and they have to stop. It was one of those moments where I had to stop. And what I felt like God whispered to me in that moment was this. If you want joy, because that's what that scripture talks about, right? Did you see that towards the end? Where he's like, uh, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you trust him and you're filled with joy that his glory is beyond words. I wanted that joy. That's what I was praying for. And God said, listen, if you want joy, you must surrender. If you want joy, you must surrender. So here's what that means, guys. Anytime that we're at this, like a crossroads in life, and it could be a minor one, it could be a decision, but it could be like a stressful thing or something really hard where we have a choice to make. We're facing a choice. We don't necessarily know what to do. All these other stressors and external things may be affecting that choice, right? Right? Anytime that we have a choice to make in a crossroads of life, it's always a choice of surrender. And here's what I mean by that. We can surrender to our circumstances, or we can surrender to Jesus. We can surrender to our circumstances, or we can surrender to joy. Because when we surrender to anger, when we surrender to selfishness, when we surrender to how unfair we think life is, and we let it stop us in our tracks, again, feeling those things isn't wrong. But when we let it stop us in our tracks especially in our relationship with God. What we're doing is we're surrendering to our circumstances. We're essentially placing ourselves at the center of the universe. And the unfortunate part of that whole equation is that we're placing something at the center of the universe that has no hope of changing anything, right? Bless you. But when we surrender to joy, in the midst of our circumstances, what we're doing is we're placing the outcome of any situation in the hands of the only one who can really affect it. God. Right? So this not only acknowledges God's place, his rightful place, where he already is, which is at the center of everything, the center of the universe, but he, right, Jesus is our living hope. And those moments of desolation and the hard things and the moments where we're struggling, he's like it. 
And there's this story about a man, his name was Robert Robinson. And if that name's not familiar to you, it's probably because he lived in the 1700s. But he was a Christian scholar and he broke away from the the Church of England, and it was all about baptism, so he was one of the first group of Baptists. But he's best known, and this is probably where you know him from, his claim to fame is writing this hymn. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. He wrote this hymn, this made me laugh, he wrote this hymn at the age of 22 when he became a Methodist is kind of interesting to me. And as the story goes, and again I say as the story goes because there's some conjecture whether this happened or it's been confirmed, those kinds of things, but I think it's interesting for our point today. As the story goes, over time, uh, Robert Robinson lost the connection that he had with the Savior that he once enjoyed. And in his declining years, it's said that he wandered into sin, and as a result, he became deeply troubled in his spirit, and so he decided to travel, to lift his spirits. And in the course of his journeys, he met a young woman, and he began having these conversations with her about spiritual matters. And so on one occasion, she was reading a hymn, and she passed it to Robinson to ask him what he thought of it, and he was surprised to find that it was this hymn, Come Thou Fount. So he tried to shrug off her question to evade answering her to let her know what he thought about it. But she continued to press him for a response. And suddenly he began to weep, and with tears streaming down his cheeks, he said, I am the man who wrote that hymn many years ago, and I'd give anything to experience the joy that I knew then. Now it was the young woman who was surprised. But here's what's cool. She reassured him that the streams of mercy mentioned in the song still flowed. Mr. Robinson was deeply touched and he turned his wandering heart to the Lord and he was restored to full fellowship. And that story comes from a man named H.G. Bosch. In John 15, Jesus makes this promise. And he makes this promise. If you're a believer in this room today, this is a promise for you. From Jesus, right from his mouth. He says this, John 15, verse 9. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. But here's the interesting thing about this promise. Jesus sets this up by telling a story about a gardener. In fact, he's describing God as this gardener. And in the example, Jesus is this vine, right, in a vineyard. And he goes on to describe each of us as believers, as Jesus followers. We're the branches that come off of that vine. And like any good gardener, God's going through and he's tending the vines in the garden. He's shaping them. He's propping them up where he needs to. He's placing them, but he's also clipping them, right, isn't he? He's pruning those vines. Sometimes there are bad spots on branches that have to be clipped off so that they can grow to be healthy and produce fruit. 
But here's the thing that I want you to get from this. The only job of the branches in this story is to remain connected to the vine. The branches aren't responsible for the pruning. The branches aren't responsible for the conditions of the garden. The branches aren't even responsible for the outcome. The branch's only job is to abide or to remain surrendered to this life-giving connection with the Messiah, and it's then that the fruit will grow. Jesus says, listen, here's why I'm telling you this whole story about the gardener and the vine and the branches and all this stuff. Here's why I'm telling you, because I have a gift for you. It's the gift of joy, and I want you to be filled with it. And the only way that that happens is if you are connected to me. Guys, so often in life, we strive, we struggle, we look back wanting to recapture this joy that we once knew. But what happens is we search for this joy on our own strength and we look for these results without going to the source of the results. We look for more without asking the one who can give it. Joy is a gift. Joy is a gift. It's always available to us. And all that joy requires is our surrender. So my question for you today is, are you tapping into Jesus? Are you tapping into the source to receive that gift of joy each day? It's okay to be angry in life, but don't let your anger cause you to surrender to something other than Jesus. It's okay to be depressed, but don't let your depression cause you to surrender to anything but Jesus. It's okay to be confused, but don't let your confusion cause you to surrender to anything but Jesus. It's okay to question, but don't let your lack of answers cause you to surrender to the wrong thing. Don't ignore the answers that you already have in Jesus. Emotions, guys, are a natural part of our human experience. But don't let your emotions cause you to surrender to anything but Jesus. Would you bow your hearts with me? I'm going to ask you to do something if you're a believer in this room. And this is if you're able to do it today. I understand if you've got health challenges that this may not be possible. But if you can and you're willing, I just want you to keep your eyes closed and to just raise your arms in surrender. If you're a believer and in this moment you want to surrender to Jesus, just surrender, just raise your arms for just a second. Father, we lift up our arms and surrender to you at this moment. And for any of us who are struggling today, God, whether it's something physical or mental, or emotional, or spiritual, I pray that you would flood into our lives. Jesus, flood into our lives. Joy can only come from you, and so we ask you for it. Draw each of us closer to you. And as your servant David once prayed, restore the joy of our salvation. Renew a right spirit within us. And lastly, Father, I pray that you would make us the kind of persons 
that would make other people glad that you made the world and that you put us in it. Help us to see what you're doing, Father. We want to join you. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much. And listen, I know it's easier said than done sometimes when we pray these things and then we head out into our world and immediately something bad happens, right? And you're like, so don't, remember what I said? Don't surrender to anything but Jesus in those moments. That's something we can all do through the power of his spirit, through his strength.